Welcome back everyone to Three Levels Deep. I am Alex. I have been away for a couple of episodes, I feel like, but... You were there last episode. Was I seriously there last episode? You, were, you weren't there for like the five previous to that, but last episode you were. Okay, <laughs> cool. It's been a while since the last one. I yeah, know, yeah. Yes. Our upload schedule has been impacted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so I'm Alex and then we've got Matt. Hello. Santo. How you doing? That's it. No fourth guest today, but that's okay. So we've got an episode uh, covering some games that we've been playing lately, maybe some news items, and uh, yeah, I actually finished a game for once. Yeah. It, you, I actually beat the final boss. Yeah. You were t I mean, you talked in the last podcast a little bit about how, how you've had to go to one-handed gaming because of baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So slower paced games for you. <laughs> Yeah, potentially. And actually, so I guess we'll just, I'll just get right into uh, the game that I've uh, been playing recently that I beat, which was Sea of Stars, which is an old school RPG kind of inspired by a lot of SNES era classics like mm -hmm. Chrono Trigger and um, Super Mario RPG. Super Mario RPG. Uh, I would say it actually also takes a little bit of inspiration from some of the later Paper Mario games as well, a little bit. Um, just in kind of the combat system. Well, Super Mario RPG had time tests. Yeah, which is more what I'm talking, what I meant. Well, the way that the way that some of the time hits work are more similar to Paper Mario, because there's like a you know a hold hold a button and charge up or or like hit a button repeatedly kind of stuff, which I don't think Super Mario RPG had. Uh, the the special moves had that. Yeah. Did they? Yeah. Okay. I. You know what? I. It's been so long since I played Super Mario RPG. I don't remember well, as well. Hey, if you want to spend eighty bucks, you can play it again. Oh, eighty dollars. <laughs> what? I, I'll probably be picking oh, yeah, it up the, with a voucher for the yeah. remake. <laughs> yeah. Right. I forgot about the remake. But yeah. And, and actually, those uh, timed hits in the remake, they actually do. Uh, they do damage to surrounding enemies now as well. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I saw that. So. Anyway, yeah, Sea of Stars, it's a very, like, you know, SNES-era inspired RPG, but I would say that uh, at least aesthetically, it takes a lot of sort of uh, techniques for kind of making it a little bit more modern pixel art. And uh, also the sound design is definitely, it, like, don't get me wrong, it's definitely, like, like chiptune kind of, Stess era-ish inspired, but the soundtrack does have a lot of, it's not literally restricted to that sound palette. And there's a lot of like effects that are like more modern effects that like modify sound. And um, actually I noticed that there's like some rhythmic techniques that they use that are like really current kind of techniques with like kind of changing the rhythm and, and, and things to like, kind of reinforce like uh, a mood that is somewhat like not quite upbeat or like a, I don't know it's 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 hard to describe and I'm, I'm not really a music theorist so I don't have the right words but um, just some interesting interesting techniques there um, 
Yeah, but uh, um, they they got the uh, Chrono Trigger uh, composer, uh, yes, Yasunori Mitsuda. Yeah, they got the actual composer. Get. So like, from how was Chrono Trigger? Yeah, you mentioned like you know there's you know a decent blend of modern and old styles, but how was the music like overall? Yeah, overall, I really liked the music actually. I thought the music was very good and a strong point. Um, and there was a lot of like. Uh, different music for pretty much every environment and pretty much I don't know if every boss had a unique theme but it was pretty close to it uh, which which is great because like honestly like the game's not super long and so like I think it's maybe like 20 hours ish uh, which for an RPG is quite short actually by modern standards yeah yeah but well, uh, even PS1 forward standards, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and to be honest, like a lot of the areas are actually really, really short. Like there's there's dungeons that you could maybe beat in like, I mean, it feels like 30 minutes to an hour for some of these dungeons because they're so short. Um, and so even 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 with that short length, they went and spent the effort to make like unique music not just for the dungeon itself but you know for that for some of those bosses uh, and there's some bosses that you might face more than once especially with the side quest stuff um, and so i think there's a couple of boss themes that are reused there but it's like is that really reusing a boss theme it's the same boss you're just fighting them again so yeah like i think that that doesn't count that doesn't really count in my eyes and it still is like a unique boss theme i would say so yeah they really put the effort into the music the music's really well done and it's a great mixture of of new and old uh i think it's a really good example of trying to match the feel of those older games without literally restricting yourself to the limited technical uh, limitations that they had so we, and we've talked about that like many times as sort of a you know as a creative kind of way to create gen generate I mean, creativity in this case like i really do think that you know they were using it for uh just to to match kind of that nostalgic way we, we remember those games um because if you actually limit yourself then it, you know you're you're really Sometimes the limits are, are just bad. So. I mean, it's, it's the difference between being a composer and being a sound engineer at that point for, for if you go back far enough. Like yeah. the, 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 the crazy techniques. This was mostly on the NES, though, to, to create some of the best tracks on that system. Or just like, okay, well, you only got like four channels and they can't all do the same things. So if you want to make something that sounds like it has more than four instruments, you have to be, you have to like mix like going like, like chopping between two different kinds of sounds on one of the channels and crap like that. But we'll, yeah, yeah, maybe I'll talk about that um, a little bit in another episode because I, I do want to bring up. I do want to talk about a couple of those old composers and some of their old soundtracks yeah. at some point. Um, but yeah, overall, I, and the sound effects are great too. Like the sound effects, like really, that's crucial. I think for a game with timed hits. For the a sound, game with timed hits, sound yeah. effects have to be yeah really really nice. Yeah, and actually, like I mean, 
we'll get into that, that Pavlovian effect of just like hit button, hit button. Hit yeah, button. we'll get into the, the timed hits happens. when I talk a bit more about the battle system. But yeah, the sound is essential for the timed hits to to work well, and I think that they do a great job using sound to communicate how those uh, timed hits need to be blocked and things uh, like that, and 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 just like the feedback. So. Yeah, they did a great job with the sound effects. And also, like, I think the sound effects are one area where it's a bit more obvious that they're going outside of the limitations of, like, those older games because they do use kind of, like, modulation sound effects, uh, like, to, to convey certain things. Like, there's, like, one of my favorite... One of my favorite moves in the game is... It's a special move that... Essentially, it's like the Zelda Phantom Ganon, uh, like mini game where you just you hit a thing back, you hit a ball back and forth mm-hmm. with the enemy, and that's that's kind of like I don't know. I, I just really like that. I thought it was funny how like they have a couple of special moves that are literally that, and uh, I actually really like that move because it's pretty powerful, uh, and it kind of does this thing where as you get more hits, it goes faster, and then the screen starts to shake, and I, I think the sound effects actually start to, like, get a little bit of some kind of modulation, and it's just to, like, amp up that intensity, mm. right? Which is great. Like, that's a really cool thing to do with this move. As it's getting more difficult, you know, you have the the game just kind of, like, getting these visual and auditory effects to, to match the the increased pace of the ability. So that's really cool. I, I, I like that. So yeah, the sound the sound effects are good. Uh, they're, they're like everything about the sound, like it feels like it, it feels like how you remember those game, those games kind of being, except it's way better than those games ever were. Subjective. 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 <laughs> Subjective. Subjective. I don't know. I I would have to go back and, and actually play Chrono Trigger. I still, I still prefer this, like just how those old games sound because they sound a little more lo-fi than newer stuff with orchestral soundtracks. Oh, yeah. Well, and I mean, it's, it, is by, it is nowhere close to being like an orchestral, orchestral soundtrack or anything like that. It is... Or even like a, a lot of like new games that try to do old like retro uh, sounds... I don't think a lot of them hit the mark, but it's good to hear that this one does. I, I think this one does, and I really liked the sound. Um, and then, yeah, kind of moving into the visuals, like like the sound and then the visuals are, are both really, really on point. Like, the game is just beautiful. Yeah, I got no qualms about the visuals of this game. This game's gorgeous. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff is, like, bespoke. As yeah, well, which is inc- really really impressive. Yeah, like this honestly might be the most beautiful pixel art game that I've played. It's interesting because when I first saw the game and first started playing, I was like, okay, this is a pixel art game. Uh, and the thing is, I I honestly didn't realize this until maybe about halfway through the game. But I think that there's a lot of stuff that's actually 3D rendered. But yeah. they have done such a good job at like taking these 3D renders and animations even and turning them into pixel art that you can't even like you wouldn't you you almost wouldn't even know. I think the one that's the most obvious is that there are a few areas that have gears 
And so like there's a door. So there's like a couple of dungeons that have doors, which are a big gear. And then the door like rotates out as if it's a geared mechanism, which is cool. Um, but I can tell that the that those animated gears are a 3D animation, which has been basically like kind of downsampled to look like a sprite work. Yeah, uh, I mean that's and that's, that's something that you don't see a lot because a lot of um, 3D games render uh, perspective format instead of orthogonal format. Yeah, or orthogonal like or perspective like if you move like your character to the side, it'll look like you know that something in the background will like you know kind of shift a little bit as well because you know your your camera is not a to b it's like a to b to moving sideways to the c like you know vectors and whatever yeah um i'm explaining this really badly that's okay <laughs> anyway but uh but i think what really really blew me away is that there is a lot of art that like probably is actually hand-drawn pixel art and yet the game has like as far as i can tell a fully 3d uh environment that is used to render shadows and reflections and uh particle effects like lit particle effects mm -hmm. and it it's so seamlessly it is so seamlessly integrated with hand-drawn pixel art that you can literally have like a hand-drawn enemy sprite of a flying enemy that is casting a 3D shadow on the ground. And you can actually, there's this ability where you can kind of like change between day night and that changes the position of the sun in the sky, which changes the entire dynamically lit environment. So like we're talking about like hand-drawn pixel art that has an associated 3D model with like real with a real-time lighting system uh which is just like that is so extra like they did not have to do that but or i don't know anyway it it looks great i think they did a really good job with the visuals of the game yeah the, the little bit of i've seen it does look beautiful yeah to, to the extent that it looks like 3d if anything it looks more like mode 7 <laughs> from like a SNES. no <laughs> no okay it looks so much better than it's Moto. so much better go back if you, that's one th thing that it like i i think if you go back and listen to music i think a lot of music holds up if you go back and look at graphics they do not hold up mode 7 looks like garbage okay that's <laughs> it has the it feels like mode 7 <laughs> um but yeah uh one one the only minor complaint I have about like kind of the visual stuff is that there are a couple of character sprites where I feel like they actually limited themselves to a SNES palette or it seems like they did or something like it seems like they have a limited palette and I just feel like maybe they they made a bad choice or something on, on that because there's there's just like a couple of character sprites where I'm like ah this little bit looks a bit off to me but that's honestly easier probably... to animate if you use less colors yeah probably maybe I i'm not really sure why but there's just a couple of character sprites where like the shading feels a bit flat in certain parts of the sprite on certain on certain sprites i don't know <laughs> anyway certain animations certain pieces of certain animations just like parts of the sprite look a bit flat but it's a very minor 
it's a very minor thing and i think probably is like more of an aesthetic choice that i disagree with as opposed to anything else but well yeah and also like the characters have to move around all the environment whereas static you know background objects like you can place them there and fiddle with the dynamic lighting to see how they look but they're still going to be sitting there they don't have to move around the entire game yeah um yeah and then yeah just like the animations of a lot of these uh enemies sprites and and like the character sprites and, and and even the environment just like the animations are really really good like there's they're like they're just smooth enough to be like high quality but not so smooth that it looks unnatural uh, yeah, I kind of wonder, like, maybe if they if they are, like, if everything's 3D, maybe they did the animations, like, like you can do with 3D animation, where it does look, like, very smooth, and just cut the frame rate. For certain, for cut certain, the rate, I, you know, like. for certain <laughs> items, I definitely think they did that. Yeah. Like, like, the aforementioned, the aforementioned environmental gears, and, and I totally get, that one's a bit more obvious, and I think it's just because, um, as the gears, as the ang- as those angles change, like the sprite just looks a bit odd, because you can't do like if you're do if you're limited to sprite work, you can really only make ninety degree and forty five degree angles look really correct. Yeah. And so if you're doing an animation with arbitrary angles off this model, like there's no way you can make that look good if it if it's kind of unless you're sticking to that like for- forty five degree. But like if it's a giant gear that takes up half the screen you you can't do that yeah yeah look at our podcast uh art for examples of how angles look bad in pixel art <laughs> <laughs> yeah the stair the stairwell of our logo is uh, there's a couple spots that uh. oh and then also the game actually has cutscenes that are just like fully animated um like cartoon style cutscenes which is kind of interesting there's not a lot of them it usually comes up at important story beats uh, uh, so, the, so they ins- got their inspiration from the PS1 version of Chrono Trigger, <laughs> which yeah. had a bunch of added cutscenes by Akira Toriyama. Okay. That looked really sick. Yeah. And those were also in the DS version, I believe. Uh, you that know, man sure has an art style. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the cutscenes were good. I didn't really feel like they added a ton, personally, but they were fine. I didn't dislike them. Well. There weren't very many of them, and they're pretty short. Yeah. I'm going to stop you from burying the lead here. I, I think you might have liked them more had you liked the game more overall. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. So that's like the that's probably the best thing that I have to say about this game overall is that aesthetic, it, the aesthetics of the game are near perfect for what they were going for. It is beautiful. You know, it's it's got it, it's it's a visual candy. It's 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 audio candy. Like if you like that kind of old old style like chiptune-esque music uh like it's it's a gorgeous game and i can tell that the artists of this game like they just they they put their heart into it and they spent a ton of effort making the game like just a just a, a, a just like exactly kind of the thing that that a lot of people who have nostalgic for these games would have liked but also in a way where i i, I think probably anyone would appreciate the way the game looks and sounds but when it comes to the gameplay the the gameplay just feels uninspired like 
this it's funny that that's the word you use because they clearly took from okay. a bunch of old games yeah but but i guess maybe they don't do anything new they do nothing really new and the gameplay is extremely straightforward and it's just the gameplay is like okay so we'll talk about the battle system a bit here because Obviously, it's a JRPG, and so, you know, a lot of your time is spent in the battle system. And, like, to be clear, there's nothing bad about the battle system. Everything's, like, competently executed. Um, and there's, like, many different kinds of, of, uh, of things that you slowly unlock as the game uh, progresses. Like, like, there's, like, vulnerabilities to different types of damage. There's physical damage, and there's magical damage. And physical damage comes in, like blunt damage and like sharp damage so like sword and hammer basically and then there's the magic damage comes in uh i think four types there's uh uh solar lunar solar lunar uh poison poison yeah poison or chemical or whatever and then there's also like arcane which is i don't know what it's it doesn't really matter what it means it's just it's the purple one yeah, <laughs> um, it's not like the game explains it anything more than that. And so the all of these different damage types, there's uh, you know different enemies can be weak to different kinds of damage types, and then also the game has a lock system where a lot of special moves used by the enemies have it'll it'll come up with like uh, two swords and like a, a sun, and say like uh, number two, and that means in two turns that enemy's going to use a special attack, but you can block it if you do two sword damage, like two slash damage and one solar damage to that enemy uh, before that timer is up. And it's kind of interesting because the battle system is like kind of a mix between, like there's fully asynchronous battle systems where every character has their own turn timer. And then there's like fully synchronous where like all of your party goes and then all of the enemies go. But this one's kind of interesting because your party is basically synchronous, but the enemies are asynchronous. So the enemies have individual turn t move timers, basically, but your party basically kind of just all goes sequentially. Right. Uh, which is sort of an interesting... I don't know. I, I, I can't think of a game I've played off the top of my head where that was the system before, but I, I don't play a ton of JRPGs, so I'm sure it's not totally novel, but... It was, Mar Marvel's Midnight Suns does something half that, where normally it's synchronous v synchronous, but certain enemies will have like turn timers where if you play so many cards, then they'll take a turn. Yeah, um, but that that's fine. Um, so there's also like a bunch of different special abilities, right? So all of your characters have their own mana uh, mana bar. And they can use ma uh, special ability abilities, which are usually magical abilities that do magic-type damage. Though they don't have to. Um, there's also, obviously, healing abilities are also magic-based. Um, and then, in addition to the just the individual mana pools, there's a combo meter that can go up to, like, three. And so every time you fill up a new sort of... Every time you fill up the bar, you essentially get like a combo point, and then you can use combo abilities, which involve two characters, 
uh, to do different like special moves that are more powerful and maybe have like other kinds of effects. Like they might, um, like there's a couple of, like there's one move that's that's like, it can delay. Like there's a combo that can do delay uh, on enemy turn timers. And so there's, a lot of them also do AOE damage to every enemy instead um, for the combos. So the combos are pretty good. Then there's also an ultimate meter. And obviously these things unlock over the course of the game. You know, you don't have all of this to deal with right, right off the top. Um, but then regular moves a little bit, but also combos and magic abilities all kind of like fill this ultimate meter. And then every character has their own ultimate. One weird missed opportunity is that the ultimates don't have timed hits at all, which seems like a massively wasted opportunity because I would want the ultimates to have like a more interesting, like maybe you have to do like, you know, multiple button types in rhythm order. game super rhythm yep. game super yeah yeah <laughs> oh i mean th this game is begging for a rhythm game super honestly because the the battle system feels like more like a rhythm game than a jrpg to be honest because it's got timed hits but also it's fundamentally very simple to decide what you need to do my, my usually it's like do i have an ultimate use an ultimate do i have combo well do I want to do I want to use the combo I have like meter available for, or do I want to save up for a better combo? And once it hits three, you have to use it because then you can't get any more combo points. Um, do I have MP? Then use a powerful magic attack. If I have none of those, then I just do an attack. And if you just follow that, you will basically win the game. Yeah, and doing an attack fills up your MP. Uh, yeah, and do, doing an attack fills up your MP, yeah. which I actually like. And then there's also this thing they call live mana, which Basically, when you do a regular attack, it spits out these little balls of mana that anyone can use. And the story calls it like using magic without magic. Basically, it increases damage, increases healing, and adds magic damage, magic type damage to your basic attacks. Um, or actually, so it adds magic, it adds magic damage to your basic attacks, and then it also ad adds damage or increases healing of every attack. So you can use the live mana to increase damage on magic attacks and ultimates and combos. So um, that's fine. Like I, I actually think that's kind of like a nice system because essentially like the only real decision I ever really was making in combat was should I delay using this resource in case I have to break a combo? Like, that was fundamentally the only decision I was ever really making that mattered was um, should, I, should I save this resource in case a combo is going to come up? And, like, there's certain enemies, especially bosses, where you kind of know that you, that you should be saving these resources to break their lock because the bosses usually have a lock for their special moves that's, like, it's like eight different types of damage or eight different damage kind of... Um, pips, pips, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so it would be like you know, I'll do like three lunar damage and two solar damage and and two, uh, two poison and one and one hammer or whatever yeah. to 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 cancel this powerful boss move. And uh, to be honest, like uh, there were a couple bosses I never saw some of their special moves because yeah. I literally Ooh. was 
able to always prevent them from doing it. See, that's, I think, the core of the problem from the what I've watched of the ballot system is that it is actually quite involved. There's a lot of different things that you can do and a lot of different facets to the the combat. But JRPG combat is often a battle of resources. And I think that mechanics that prevent your the opponents from you doing things, like this is kind of the same problem I have with a lot of the uh, Persona boss fights that you're able to like hit their weaknesses and knock them down and stuff like that. It's like denying your opponents of resources just takes the danger away. Uh, and also uh, the fact that you have so many different options on your side to like amplify your attacks, do more with your action economy. And also you can switch out what party members you're using at any yeah. time. Yeah. So, once, once you have enough party members, you can just switch party members out. Yeah. So like, it's not even like the and it's oh. a free action it yeah. is a free action to switch party members and i actually am not sure that it should be yeah so like doing that is like okay well like any lock that you're presented with you have the tools to get rid of it kind of whenever without penalty like as long as yeah especially once like, you, so there's it's one really easy to do so there's uh there's actually only one character that has the ability has abilities to delay enemy actions but once you get that character, that ability is incredibly overpowered. I Yeah, usually those kinds of effects, those kinds of ballot systems don't work on bosses. <laughs> yeah, no, it works, it works on bosses. And in fact, um, that character and then another late game character together have a combo that can add like four turns of delay, which is outrageous and it's one of the reasons why like there's a there's a side there's a late game side quest like secret boss that i completely destroyed she did not get to use there were multiple abilities she had that i didn't even see because i just understood how to use the action economy to deny the boss from actually using their special at all jeez what was there any boss fight where you felt like you were in danger um i think actually it's interesting i feel like the i feel like the, i was probably most in danger in the middle of the game that's strange okay. which is Ooh. strange i know Usually yeah. it's either the beginning or the end yeah no the beginning was very easy and then the end game was very easy um, but in the mid game, like there's a couple sections where uh, the, there's one section where your your party splits up and you have like different members individually, and so you don't have the abilities uh, that you would hmm. need to do <laughs> to do that kind of thing. Okay, I'm right. <laughs> um, so that was one section where I had to use a lot of healing, like all the time, to make it through those sections uh, and use a lot of items, and also. Also, like, just, yeah, there was, like, a... There was a couple mid-game bosses that just felt like they were more threatening because they, like, did a lot of summons. And yeah. that was also, like, when there's just too many... When there's just so many targets, like, you know, you, you just get hit more. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but overall, like, the game is very... Like, the game's very easy. Like, the battle system... 
there's a lot to do in the battle system, but I fundamentally feel like if you just if you just do the biggest damage move you have available at the time and heal when necessary, because by the way, you have so many healing options mm -hmm. um, that you're pretty much like, unless you're very new to JRPGs, it's not a challenge at all. And I, I kind of understand why they did that, I think, because it, it actually, no, I don't understand. I, so here's, here's something I'm a little confused about. I don't understand who their target market is for this game. Because yeah. seeing seeing the trailer, like I kind of had the feeling like, okay, this game looks gorgeous and it's a JRPG, but I just got the inkling from the trailer like this probably isn't gonna play well. I don't know why, and but like, I felt like they were leaning so heavily on the art that there's no way that this could also play well. Yeah, I mean, well, and and, and that's the thing. Plus, when their only you, other when game was a two D action well, game, like which is in the same universe. Like, I don't think it's so much like a failure of implementation. I think everything's implemented very well. Um, but is it is a question of balance then? It's it's a question of balance, and I think design. I think the design of the system, it's got a lot of moving parts but they don't interact with each other. Like that's, I think the core problem is like, you've got all this stuff to do, but you can't put it together in interesting ways. Okay, like here's, here's for example, a question like the uh, extra, like extra mana that like goes onto the field. Like does everything generate that? Uh, no, only the basic attack generates that live mana. Okay. There's a moving part then. Yeah, so that's like that, that's, that, that's an interacting. That that's interactive kind of an part. interaction, yeah, and it kind of interacts with the lock system in the sense that it's often useful to have at least one live mana on the field at all times because it can help you break a lock that shows up with a one turn countdown. Because sometimes, like a, right. a special move will come up and you have to cancel it immediately on that uh, turn, or the special move goes off. Hmm. Unless yeah, you, unless you maybe, use unless you use the delay, yeah. which I abuse the hell out of. Yeah, maybe they could have made it so that like you know you need a bit more than just one piece of mana to get the extra effects or something like that. Like tiers of like okay, you need this much to get this effect and well, this much. To and get that actually, effect. that's something that's something that I did notice is that although doing extra, although using so that you cap out at three live mana, uh, but using extra doesn't give additional magic damage. It only gives like additional regular damage so like if you have a lock with two suns uh and you do a basic sword attack with zale who is the solar fire guy then using one live mana adds solar damage to his basic attack but using two or three does not add extra solar damage you'll do more like you do more damage, but you won't uh break the locks you'll do more damage but you won't break additional solar locks which actually felt like a That's little fine. Eh, I don't know. It means that you. It means that there's not as much of a. That's fine. That's fine if it started at zero. Additional. It starts at zero. Or, or, or I mean, like the first level of it breaks the solar lock. Yeah, first level breaks the solar lock. Yeah, I think maybe it should have started at zero. Like, like it w w wouldn't unless you spend more. Maybe like, like, you have, I, I don't know. You, like from hearing it, you have so many resources at your disposal to control the flow that. You can do it too yeah. efficiently, and then what's the challenge? Yeah. Oh, one cool thing that I will mention, and again, this goes back to like the game's aesthetically really cool. Um, they have interactions between the music 
and what's going on in the battle. So like the music will literally like skip beats when stuff happens. Oh, okay. Uh, or like there will be like kind of like a ch- like like some mute variant to the battle theme when like you know certain particular actions like special moves and stuff happen. That's really cool. I love that. I love that they're like doing these little things. Again, though, like it doesn't change the core. It doesn't change how the battle system works. It just it makes it more like pleasant to look in to look at and hear. Um, like it's I don't know. One of the biggest things that I think the game really could have used is status effects. I'm really surprised it doesn't have status oh, effects. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like, you have, like, this solar fire damage, but there's no burn. You have poison damage, but it, it, it's just, it just breaks poison locks. It doesn't actually cause, like, like a, a, an HP, like... And, like, and, it do, and enemies don't status affect your characters? No. Okay, then, well, no. there, we, are, there we go. That's, that, are there, that makes so uh, much like sense. stat buffs? No. No? no. Wow. Not really. Huh. So, okay, so they basically, like, they put in all this, inter- all this interesting mechanics to the combat and then stripped out a bunch of base JRPG mechanics yeah. from the combat. I don't know why. They, they yeah, did this that. just sounds like um, too simple for its own good. Yeah, like, I... I and that, um, and then because of that, you can't. I think that's also one of the reasons why there aren't like sort of interesting interactions. Like, for example, there should totally be an interaction between status effects and types of magic damage. That should be a thing that should be in there that you should be able to be manipulating to get extra damage, like to make you engage with, like using different characters different moves in order to like get a status effect that like is amplified by this this other sort of type of damage that would be that would make a lot of sense to me uh as as a mechanic you'd want because it it starts to make some of these systems interact with each other um i don't know but yeah no status effects super weird that's wild um yeah and then yeah, enemies hit pretty hard, actually, but you also have a lot of healing abilities. So I actually kind of like that at, at the core because, I don't know, in theory... Well, okay, I like it in theory. Uh, I don't. Like, <laughs> I've seen too many examples of that where it's just like easy access to, f- to full heals makes the game uninteresting. Yeah, like you can... Yeah, because you, you, you take a lot of damage, but you have a lot of healing options, and so you heal a lot. I would be fine with I would I would be fine with that in principle if it felt like I had to like trade off between doing damage and healing more often, but that was rarely the case. It usually just felt like okay, it's time to heal. Oh, full party heal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because there's a character that can do a full party heal. There's items that can do full party heals that are like easy to get. You can just make as many of them as you want basically, because there's a cooking system. Mm-hmm. And. Um, yeah, like, actually, I want to talk about that a little bit because it. I'm going to talk about it and then come back to the battle system. So this game has, like, a hilarious food focus and, and, and cooking system. Uh, your third party member, which you get very early, is actually a warrior cook. So he cannot do magic damage at all, uh, but, like, he's supposed to be, like, a support character and he has, like, an incredibly strong healing like early on, he is the first. Early on, he's like your main healer, I would say, um, and 
you pick up these items of food out in the environment and there's tons of them. There's like, you know, there's like cabbage and wheat and tomatoes and bell peppers and ham and fish. Like in the fishing mini game, which is actually pretty nice, like pretty solid fishing mini game. It's not too hard, but I like it. Um, it does everything a fishing mini game needs to do. And then you also get cooking ingredients from fishing, which is like, yeah, all right, I like it. I mean, I would hope so. Yeah. <laughs> so you, uh, and, that, and then there's fish and shrimp for mm. different dishes. Uh, and th there's probably like 30, honest, there's probably like 30 odd different uh, dishes you can cook. And basically all your items are, are, are these food dishes that you, that you cook. And you can find them randomly as well. Uh, but for the most part, most of your items are going to be uh, food that you cooked and yeah that's kind of, you know the it's not often that a game makes me go like potatoes I feel like marion pippin sometimes <laughs> um, well, mash them stick and them in a there's stew. yeah yeah there's a max of 10 prepared foods which encourages you to actually use the items because otherwise you cannot pick up food that you find in the world um which i like mechanics that make the player use their items just because I am so bad for like, oh, I'm going to save all these items forever. Yep. <laughs> so any any way you can make the player want to use the items, I, I am generally in favor of. Um, so here's the thing, though. This is a huge missed opportunity for status effect items. Yeah. Like, your support character pretty much only has one thing to do for support, which is heal. He can't inflict status effects on the enemy. He can't buff your characters. All he does is heal. That's it. Um, and having then, some recipes that would cure ailments or some like monstrosity dish that can inflict poison on enemies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would make that would make a lot of sense. There's even a spicy chili pepper and you should totally be making a dish with the spicy pepper that like inflicts some status effect on enemies that's just such an obvious thing to me like that would be what i would yeah okay if i was designing this game i would create a status effect called tasteless where you're immune to food oh oh, oh. that would see that would be interesting like the, yeah, like the game, sh yeah, the game probably like needed to lean heavier into the cooking mechanic to make it kind of more interesting, I think, because they did a lot of work. And again, the weird thing, okay, so much work went into the cooking system. Like, again, there's probably like 20 different kinds, there's probably like 20 or 30 different kinds of ingredients. There's so many different ingredients. And then in the cooking menu, which you access at campfires, which are also your save points and um, rest points. So you're at a fire and you cook and it's this like the cooking menu and you hold down like your your action button and it plays a little animation of going through the different steps of preparing the dish and every single dish has like kind of a different set of animations like there's like chopping vegetables there's like boiling there's like cooking in an oven um there's like preparing sushi uh, like there's a bunch of different animations and like different dishes it'll play these different animations at uh, in different, like with different orders of them and different um, speeds sometimes. And it's like, it, it actually makes the process of just choosing which items to create visually interesting. 
And I'm like, you put so much work into this cooking menu. Like, I almost don't even understand why. <laughs> I mean, it, uh, cooking is becoming the big thing in here. Yeah. So like, like Final Fantasy 15 had all of their weirdly high rendered food. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, the cooking, the cooking is like, I actually think it's cool. And they didn't go far enough because the cooking should have been integrated into uh, status effect and buff items for sure. Like I, I, it, again, it's like, it's one of these things where like, I'm just like, this is obvious. Like this is what other games do with their cooking system. Like you make an ailment cure, you make a poison thing that poisons enemies. I'm like, why are they, why are they missing such simple things? And I think it comes down to a design choice where I don't know who their target market is because the game is easy. The game is straightforward and simple. It's incredible. It's one of the most linear games I've ever played. Paper Mario is more non-linear and more uh, difficult than this game. And Paper Mario is a linear game that is not hard. <laughs> so, like, I don't know, man. Like, uh, Let's talk about loot and equipment. It exists. And it's pretty much so linear, it feels completely irrelevant. Because the way it works is that you find incrementally better weapons for one single character and incrementally better armor that fits maybe two characters and you just upgrade every, and you just put it on every time you find it. If you actually find the optional chests that are hidden in the environment, you actually don't even need to buy armor pretty much because you will just find all the armor and weapons you need. Which feels... And then there's like some optional ring slots and so like accessory slots and there's very, very few accessories. So you pretty much just find accessories and equip them because they're there. They're you there. Have and you have leave the slot slots. Empty. Yeah. Like late game, you might, late game, you'll find some accessories that are just strictly better because it's like, oh, instead of plus five magic attack. It's plus five magic attack and plus five defense. So I'll just improve my accessory slot. Like it's a very, very weak. It's it's such a weak equipment and loot system. It might as well not exist, which I feel is very disappointing um, because I feel like that's one of the things that a JRPG is supposed to have is, is like, you know, making some kind of decisions about your character's direction yeah like what and, is what is this character specializing yeah and and make it so that like you have less options to specialize your characters and being able to switch them anytime in the in the battle system means like yeah you don't make hard decisions you just don't yeah there are no hard decisions in this game um yeah, and then there's a bunch of like there's a bunch of ores and gems and stuff, and you pretty much just sell them for money, and they're all fungible. It's like I don't even care at all. At first, I was worried. I'm like, oh, am I gonna use these ores to like craft stuff? Because the game's got a cooking system. Maybe it's got a crafting system too. No, it doesn't. Um, the game also has uh, relics, which change the game uh, behavior in some ways. Virtually every relic just makes the game easier, which surprises me because the game is already easy. Um, I was really surprised that there wasn't a relic to make the game more difficult, like just strictly more difficult because the game honestly needs it. Like actually when I was playing Bug Fables very early in the game, like 
like before the first dungeon even maybe you get a badge to it like doubles enemy damage and doubles xp gain or something like that and so it's kind of like a trade-off thing to make the game more difficult um but it's not even really a tra- like it, it feels like higher it just risk, makes higher reward yeah it feels like it just makes the game more difficult um which which is good actually because you know again that's also a simple that's probably the other that's probably the uh, most recent other JRPG I've played, <laughs> and um, you know it's also like uh, you know being a Paper Mario inspired game fairly simple and straightforward. But well, getting a little long in the in the tooth here, but I did want to ask about the writing in the game. Uh, the writing. How, how you felt about that? The writing's the writing's good. It didn't blow me away. Um, but it was, it was competent. Um, it was not like a Paper Mario where I'm like, oh man, you know, there's a lot of great jokes and it's like very funny. There were some jokes. They were competent. Like the writing's, you know, kind of like lightly charming. Um, it's like, it's probably above average, but it's not so far above average that, I'm excited about it. So the game, the, the 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 writing and story are just like they're they're solid. Like mm-hmm. I I think that I I'm not like I don't know exactly how you would make it better. There's a couple moments where I was like, okay, yeah, that's 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 cool. Like um, you know, there is uh, there are some party composition changes. <laughs> That are, I know, I won't spoil it too much, but the, uh, yeah, like there's, there's, there's some moments in the story where I'm like, okay, yeah, that was, that was pretty good. There's also, there's also, I'm not going to lie. There's also some things that I just like, I feel like they had a thing that they were trying to do and then they, they just kind of, I don't know if wimped out is the wrong term, but there's one thing in particular. Okay. The game's very inspired by Chrono Trigger and this you get told about this pretty early so i'm i'm going to say that it's not a huge spoiler but essentially there's like some branching timeline universe thing right and ultimately um there's a point in the story that is supposed to be basically similar to what's going on in chrono trigger where like in chrono trigger lavos destroys the world and you have to go change the past yeah. Right. To 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 kill him and save the world. And this game has a moment that's kind of like that, except in Chrono Trigger, you go and you can, and everybody loves this about Chrono Trigger, right? Like you can go to Lavos and fucking die, and yeah. the future refused to change. That's like the fucking game over screen for Chrono Trigger, and it's great. Yeah, it's incredible. I love it, and um. This game had an opportunity to do that and then didn't, which blows my fucking mind because this is like very obviously heavily cribbing from Chrono Trigger in a lot of different things. In fact, there's even there's boss fights where I'm like, yeah, this like literally the boss looks like Chrono Trigger. (laughs) Um, And like it's very clearly inspired by Chrono Trigger. And for some reason, they didn't take an opportunity to do something very similar to that iconic moment. 
and I have no idea why they didn't do it. Because the story literally says that's basically what happened. And then, but they don't follow through on, on like showing it to you, which that's, that's the, the problem. That's the thing. Like <laughs> I, 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 I really, I think that this game, they put in the effort where they could have made essentially like an iconic, like JRPG that like stands the test of time. And instead, they made something that is like it, it. It just looks like it's supposed to be one of those. I, I don't know. Like, like it look. It it, 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 it's an A aesthetically, and it's like a a B or a C, like under the hood. So I don't know. It's. I just want to say for a game called Sea of Stars, I'm surprised it doesn't take more after Star Ocean. That's probably uh, for the best. It mm, there. I haven't actually played Star Ocean. There is a okay. There's a there is a late game massive aesthetic switch, which is really cool. They even changed the UI menus, which is not something that I've seen before. Uh, I, I was like, I was like, all right, this is pretty cool. I, I like this. Um, but I have heard that it is exactly the same thing that happens in Star Ocean. Uh, so I don't know. But yeah, and then just some notes. Yeah, I said also like exploration. Yeah, the game's super linear. And, and another thing, I'm just going to try and briefly blitz through this uh, dungeons. At first, I was kind of hyped about the dungeons because it seemed like it had a lot of Zelda-inspired stuff in the dungeons, uh, which I thought was was cool. But fundamentally, the dungeons are just... The dungeons are incredibly linear. The puzzles are the most basic-ass puzzles I've ever seen. It's got it's got sliding block puzzles like Zelda does, but they're just like trivially easy. There's like a uh, there's a couple dungeons that have like the big chest, and you go and get the big chest and get a dungeon <laughs> item that is a mobility item that the, you then use to traverse the dungeon, just like a Zelda game would. Um, there's totally a water. There is a water temple. Uh, there is a there's a straight up water temple in this game with moving platforms that float and changing water levels, except it only goes up. The water level just always goes up. So it's not even a puzzle. It's, it's just progression. It's just progression through Weird. like a linear dungeon. And I'm like, it's even got fish people li that live under the lake in that dungeon, like a Zora uh, kind of thing. So like, I don't know. It's so... Game uh, Game just feels like... Do you think the game has its own identity? Not... Like... I don't know. I okay, feel if like... you have to say I don't know, then the answer is no. The answer is no, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it felt like, yeah, the, the game... It felt like, in terms of the underlying game, not, like, the aesthetics, it feels like they were just kind of trying to do everything like there's a lot of things that are inspired by many many different games and they kind of put it all in a blender and the core mechanics don't really always kind of seem to support each other and it, it, it's yeah i don't i don't know if they entirely knew what they wanted to make aesthetically it's 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 pretty cohesive like 
And I would say aesthetically, it's it's very much more like Chrono Trigger though, <laughs> or or another SNES era JRPG. It's like really kind of in that wheelhouse. It's not trying to make its own. It's not really trying to make its own visual identity so much as it's trying to update that SNES era JRPG visual identity, uh, which actually looks great and I would be fine with. It's just, um, yeah, I don't know. I think they were. It's like a game made by SNES-era old-school JRPG fans who really, really deeply cared, but then they were aiming it at like people that are like totally brand new to JRPGs and have never played a JRPG before and need something simple. Hmm. That that's the only thing I can I can like think what about when they were like like who is this game for? And I'm like, it's for someone new to video games who's never played a JRPG before. Right. And and well, it, also trying to hit the nostalgia. Factor. Well, also trying to hit nostalgia <laughs> for the SNES, uh, like which is like I don't exactly have know. We, have we hit like post nostalgia at this point where like making a pixel art game is just like not even for nostalgic purposes anymore. It's just an aesthetic choice that people like something that is popular now. Like, I don't, I don't know. Whatever. I don't know. And, like, I would be fine with that. And, in fact, like, like oh, like, the environments are actually really quite unique. Uh, like, there's, like, a mushroom forest and, like, cool dungeons with, like, uh, like graveyardy kind of skull themes and things like that. And there's, like, the environments are really, really well detailed. And then as some of them are, are, like, they don't necessarily remind me of anything in particular that I've seen before. But, um, but again, it just goes back like, yeah, the game is beautiful. The game, its aesthetics are incredible, but like the underlying game is just so basic and so simple. All right. Well, have, have we exhausted the, uh, yeah, the, the topic? I think, I think we need to move on. We've spent like an hour talking. I've spent like an hour talking about this game now. Yeah. And I don't I hate it. Like I finished it, but. I don't know. It, it leaves me very unsatisfied because it could have been a lot more than it is. All right, so we spent one hour talking about Alex's game, and Matt, you said you've played like six or seven games. All right, yeah. So I've got like seven things to talk about, <laughs> but um, I mean, some of so, them are going to be pretty quick. Yeah, just a few things to say on them. But uh, um, so the first one I was actually playing at the time of our last recording, um, but I didn't want to talk about till I finished it, and that was. Cassette Beasts. Oh yeah, this one looks pretty pretty neat actually. Yeah, um, it's for lack of a better term, it's a Pokemon like. It's a mo- monster trainer. <laughs> I I, yeah. I I don't know if there's a term well, for like this okay, genre. So when you get the beasts, I suppose <laughs> when you get the monsters, um, are you just like, is it straight level ups like Pokemon or are you like doing no. things to raise individual stats and stuff like that? Um, so instead of levels, there's star rankings and each beast, it's so it goes from one to five stars mm-hmm. and once they reach five stars, if they have another form after that, you can evolve them um, but once they're at five stars, if you don't, if like they're fully evolved and at, at every time you would get another star level up, it doesn't go past five stars, but it you'll get like a new random move. 
okay. from like stuff that they can learn. Um, because so because the way moves work in this game is uh, on level up you get a sticker for the move. Um, because well, I guess I, I should go into the beast first. Um, <laughs> Does the sticker go on your cassette? Yes, that's exactly it. Good. Um, but but it's because you're not actually catching the beasts, uh, you record them to a cassette. <laughs> what? And then when you put the cassette in your Walkman, you yourself turn into the beast. What the hell? Okay. <laughs> um, so so the overall level is the actual character's level. Right. Um, and then like the star ranking is for the the cassette each each beast, and then you put the stickers on them to give them different moves, um, and like you can have a bag full of stickers. But kind of like with TMs, not every beast is going to be able to have every type of sticker on it. There's one that's not going to be able to learn. Let's see trade offs. <laughs> um, but it's also a uh, it's a double battle system. You've always got a partner with you. And they transform as well. So, so, but like you can just encounter like one enemy, or it'll be like a double battle. Sometimes it could be a bit like a larger swarm of enemies as well. Uh, but the part of what I really like is uh, they do a really good job with the type chart. Oh the, yeah. Um, so we're Pokemon's pretty simple. It, the the interactions are just. Um, no effect, not very effective, or, neutral, yeah, or, or super effective. Yeah. Um, the way the type chart works in Cassette Beast is a lot more intricate. So much so that they actually give you the type chart as a key item you can refer to, even in battle. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, you've got your just normal Beast type, which, like, Beast is just, like, neutral against everything no no problems there normal type but where the real fun of this comes in is the actual interactions between different types because so there's something called codings um and under like there's moves that can apply a coding and it'll change the type but also the type interaction can apply a coding so if you attack an ice type with a fire move for three turns they're going to have a water coding and be a water type Oh, cool. This, what? this also works with a fire type attack, attacking like a plastic type, and then it's a poison type for three turns. Oh. Um, okay, that, that's kind of cool. So it's like dynamic types that can Yeah, change. but there's also more than just the typing. Um, if a, say a wind type attacks an electric type, the electric type is now, uh, it's conductive. Which means its elect its moves will now hit multiple targets, or if a like an earth type hits an electric type, now it's uh, ground insulated. Oh, okay. Okay. Can, uh, <laughs> can moves from your own team hit the other cassette beast? Ah, uh, so you can like. I I don't think so. Stuff? Okay. No. Um, but uh, when they're grounded, their moves are a lot harder to hit. Like, it, it's hard for their moves to hit. Um, uh, but just, like, all these... And, like, there's glass type as well. And, like, <laughs> if you apply a glass coating to something, every time they get hit by a wind move, there's a resonant stack. If it hits three stacks, it's just instant death. <laughs> <laughs> the glass shatters. Yeah. Um, and then there's also... 
There's glitter type. <laughs> glitter? If a glitter move hits something, it becomes glitter. Oh my god. The glitter yeah. just gets everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Awesome. That's, that's pretty good. Um, so yeah, they, they had a, obviously had a lot of fun designing the uh, interaction system between the different types. There's a lot there. And I'm really glad that they actually give you a type chart you can refer to even in battle to see yeah, that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even even the newer Pokemon games like show you the uh, if they're yeah. effective or not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The uh, result of the type chart, basically. Yeah, and you don't get to see the type chart, but yeah, you get to know like yeah. if it's something you fought before so, and you know it's am typing. I, am I thinking of this game or a different one where you can actually like fuse the beasts together? Uh, yeah, that's this, because um, there's a uh, a meter. When that meter is full, you and your partner can fuse together, and like it just creates some amalgamation of the two creatures that, um, that you were. So there's a lot. I think it's like... Because I, I, a DLC just came out for the game, and I think... Uh, so I'll probably be going back to it soon, but I think with the DLC, there's like maybe four... Was it fourteen hundred or fourteen? I think it was like fourteen hundred or so, like fusion. I mean, yeah. If you can fuse every beast with every other beast, <laughs> yeah. there's gonna and be a lot. you can fuse two of the same as well. But uh, yeah, the, there's also just some like fun designs for the beasts in this game. Like one of the the first one you run into that's, that's N squared beasts <laughs> is called Traffic Crab. Oh, Traffic <laughs> Crab! And it's just it's a crab with a traffic cone on its back, and its face is a red light. Like a red stoplight. Wow. <laughs> oh my god, that just reminds me of this. Um, there's some mod that somebody made for, I think it was like, God, was it Gen 3 Pokemon? Anyway, it was like Pokemon too many types. And they added like <laughs> oh, some, yeah. YouTube, yeah, some YouTuber. I think like, I saw some clips of this, mod. yeah. And so there's a bunch of like just stupid types in there. Like, <laughs> like, like literal meme types. Um but uh, one of the one of the types in it is crab. Oh, crab type. <laughs> crab type. It's a good type. And they they it was really funny because they interpreted it to be basically anything with like more than the normal number of limbs. So like Mach <laughs> like Machamp is crab type. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's pretty funny. Uh, that's good. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, no no crab type in cassette beasts. No, no. Just uh, crabs. Tra traffic crab is plastic. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, there's like other fun... It could like, be plastic crab, though. <laughs> like there's a Fun Go, which is an artist mushroom. <laughs> and uh, okay. I know I shared this one in our Discord. Gin and Tonic, a, uh, a genie uh, waiter. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's yeah. fantastic puns. <laughs> um... But yeah, so so basically the uh, so the premise of this game is well, it's an isekai. Yeah. <laughs> um, basically, you find yourself washed up on shore of this island, and this island is the entire world, as far as everyone on it can tell. And so, the, what it seems to be is like people are washing up on this island from like different timelines. So like everyone inhabiting like. They're all from, everyone's from different worlds. So, like, there's, so, like, you hear, like, little snippets of, like, oh, what that world was like or that one. Um, 
But yeah, and through that, you also get like a couple different uh, party members you can team up with. Um, there's a, I think there's six, I want to say, and one of them is a dog. Nice. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, but overall, you've got three primary objectives to go after. Uh, you've got the villain organization, which are vampire realtors. Oh. Wow, okay. <laughs> that's, that's that's so smart. Yeah. Because then you invite them in. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yep. <laughs> uh, get into your house. Brilliant. <laughs> You've got... Uh, so, so part of this is you're trying to join the Rangers, which is part of the group that kind of protects the town that's settled there. Um, and part of joining that is going around and battling the 12 different Ranger captains. So essentially your gym battles. Yep. Um, and the last one is going after the Archangels. This is just Pokemon Scarlet Violet. (laughs) Gym leaders, evil organization, Titan Pokemon. I mean, okay, Uh, but if you look, you, have have you seen screenshots of this game? Not, not really. It it looks like they ripped Pokemon sprites practically. Yeah. Like, so, so the Archangels are pretty much biblically accurate angels. Nice. Oh, they're hard because they're hard to them, look at. Each of them is in a different <laughs> animation style. So when you think about from the perspective of the characters and like the style of that world, and you're looking at something in a completely different animation style, it's like it's jarring and hard to make sense of. <laughs> um, and yeah, they, they, there's there's quite a few of those archangels, and all of them have like a different style there's one that's like a black and white like kind of stop motion animation there's one that's just a geometric shape just like a cube a pulsing cube um that's like uh evangelion i was gonna say yeah maybe some evangelion yeah evangelion i think it's Gelian. i don't know uh then again it's like evangelizing is how you pronounce that word so like maybe it is evangelion we're not going to go down that road. <laughs> no. Uh, oh, but, uh, yeah, going back to the moves. Um, so the the stickers, you can actually get some of different rarities. So they'll actually have different effects on them that you can put on them. But there's also, uh, the thing I like is there's passive stickers as well. Um, so, like, one I was rolling with was um, at the end of each turn there's a chance of using the move after this for free. Mm. And, like, I'd put, like, some move that was just really high damaging, high cost, because um, moves um, um, cost action points, and each turn you gain two action points. But, I mean, if you fuse, though, you gain four per turn. But being able to use, like, a full bar of action point move for free just because it's like right under the list of under, of that passive ability uh so there's I, I didn't play around with it too much but there's definitely like some crazy builds you could get going with uh with stuff there cool. that sounds interesting especially like yeah the being able to like you know can you bank action points like does it go above two uh it, i it goes up to eight okay yeah that's yeah. kind of cool Mm-hmm. So, so like, I, I had a move that cost eight to use, and it would go off for free sometimes. Kind of cool. You know what? <laughs> Some, sometimes I think about, like, how stagnant the Pokemon series is, and then clearly people have ideas. Yeah. 
And, and, and I, I also want to say this game's very much, like, it's very much got that feel for, like, like us who grew up with Pokemon when it started. And it's going for more of a, like, it's enjoyable for all, but it's going for more of an adult vibe. Like, if you grew up with Pokemon, like, way back, and you're growing up now, you'll probably enjoy this as well. Like, I would definitely... Of all the Pokemon games since switching to 3D, I definitely put this one... I would rank this below Scarlet and Violet, but above everything else. Okay. <laughs> well, okay, in fairness, that's like a really hilarious bar because Scarlet and Violet is good with problems and the rest of them, I think, are bad Pokemon games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's... Uh... Yeah, no, it, it, it's fun. Um, the, the only main issue I've really had with it is I kind of stopped playing in the post-game because there, there's content in the post-game locked behind a very repetitive and not fun grind. Hmm. That sounds like, that sounds like a lot of post-game content, to be honest. <laughs> hey, for some games, that's the in-game content. <laughs> <laughs> Until you get remade for the Wii U. Bam. It's a Wind Waker joke. <laughs> oh triforce quest cool but yeah no uh cassette beasts uh cool yeah it's solid fun it, game it looked it looked kind of cool I, I remember seeing some trailers for it so yeah and i'm gonna have to go back to it and uh check out the new dlc i believe it's called pure of the unknown um it's like the opposite of sea of stars where it like took a inspiration material and then like made it more more complicated <laughs> instead of last. Um, next up, I jumped in. I've actually put a lot of time into this over the last couple months. Uh, not 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 as much now, but like it's there, and I'm going back to it occasionally. And that's No Man's Sky. I've heard that it's gotten a lot better after the yeah. like just continual support the, from the developers. Like I think I counted it out, it's like seventeen or, or no, it might be like over twenty like big named updates. Yeah. Since it came out, um, they've definitely turned it around with like so because like when I first started playing it, like uh, I mean like the core of the game still remains the same. There's just more around it that you can do now. Mm-hmm. Um, and before it launched, like, you'd kind of just start traveling si- system to system. And I don't even think there was really a way to go backwards, go back to, like, places you'd visited before. But eventually they added portals. So every space station in the Habited Systems had a portal on it. So you can use that portal to go back to any previously visited system. And then you've got the base building, too, so you can... Say you find a planet you really like, you can set up a base there, put your own portal there. Um, I named my base Alpha Site because <laughs> I like I like Stargate. <laughs> um, like you can even get a freighter, which uh, basically just a big ship, which is basically a mobile base that you can just call into systems. Um, yeah, they they've really expanded on that game. Uh, and, and it's much better and I, I've just been enjoying it as like just something I can just sit back and just kind of chill play while I just have something on the side like if I'm just like watching something on the side nice yeah they've they've turned it around quite a bit 
Um, watch some, what is that stupid game, Subway Surfers on the side? <laughs> uh, I don't understand. Next up, uh, I'm, I'm winging it with this. I have no notes for this. Uh, Armored Core 6. There we go. Mm. <laughs> uh, latest game from, uh, from software. Uh, I, so I, I've never played any of the old Armored Core games, but this one is fantastic. Um, the amount of customization you can do with your mech. Um, I've, I've, I've <laughs> seen, I've seen some, some, some mechs going yep. around. <laughs> yeah. I've seen some licensed properties going around. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no fast paced combat, uh, like just high customizability. Uh, but the game also, uh. It can be challenged. Well, I mean, it, it is pretty t tough at times, but you can make it a bit easier on yourself if you actually uh, conform to like a setup that will help against. Because like a lot, because I think a problem some people were having early on is they were trying to stick to the build they had. Yeah, but. I mean, that's something that sounds like great game design to me. It's like, for, okay, you have this incredibly in-depth, large amount of options for customization. Force the player to engage with it. I don't, don't, don't pigeonhole, okay. pigeonhole the player into one thing. And, and there's no penalty for it, too, because... So, like, there's some parts that come up in the shop that you can buy, but then you can sell them back to the shop at cost. Yeah. So... You can have like a bunch of stuff change it around, but um, if if you die in mission, you can recustomize. So it also it's important to have stuff that could help on hand because you, you're not going to be able to access the shop there. You're just going to be able to recustomize based on what you have right. to help you out. I one of the I haven't played it, but one of the complaints I have heard is that there's apparently like kind of a, a fairly narrow set of builds that's like way better than basically everything else yeah i was i was guilty of using the double zinnerman shotgun for a little bit myself that that build is those shotguns are busted uh they just got nerfed hmm. yeah <laughs> uh but apparently they were also dominating uh pvp oh there's pvp yeah okay well once you well, get a things a little bit <laughs> once you get a little bit of a ways into the campaign you unlock pvp D double shotgun mech that was also like one of the best things that you could do in front mission three so there's precedent <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i'm just thinking about like you know this whole like oh yeah you know force people to experiment because their build's not working well at the same time yeah i think i haven't played this but i have definitely seen it in some games where there's just one obvious build that crushes everything else and then players don't experiment with other builds because there's only one build that's there's one build that makes the game substantially easier. Yeah. So if this game is able to balance that, where like, like it I even pu it pushes it pushes you to experiment with new builds or forces you to get really good. Yeah. If those are the two yeah. paths, then that's good game design in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, and we're talking about FromSoft, right? And so I heard the same thing about Elden Ring, where like there's a couple of builds in Elden Ring that are apparently fairly straightforward. And just completely dominate because it's basically a giant laser. Yeah. <laughs> That's oh. what I used. <laughs> and like, you know, I heard the same complaints there where people were like, oh, yeah, this, you know, it's 
easy to not engage with the game with the games like many build uh, varieties because this one build is just so much better than pretty much anything else you could do and it's a difficult game so i don't know it's funny because that's is this just a problem from soft hats well i mean in you know other from soft games like dark souls whatever you can't respec yeah really like, uh, it depends. Like, like Dark Souls One, you I, can't respect, but like Elden Ring, you get, you can get a good amount of the item in one run. You can get a good amount of the item you need to respect, yeah. but you have to get it far enough and be a specific boss before you can start respecting. But like at the same time, I feel like this is just inherently a challenge for any game with lots of build variety. Is that there's going to be powerful builds that are easy to use, and there's going to be powerful builds that require you to get good. And everyone's going to say that the powerful, easy-to-use build is busted just because a lot of people don't get good. Well, I mean, that's... Uh, Which, it's like, you know... That's a, it, that's a problem on the player side. Just like, players, if you play games, don't look shit up all the time. Just yeah. try, try it yourself, damn it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I think a lot of games end up kind of with something like that when it comes to a lot of like agility based builds is that they can be super powerful but they typically require uh more skill to make them work because you actually need to like be more aware of movement and positioning as opposed to like just like some tank build or whatever Mm -hmm. like uh i think in armored core you can literally be a tank yeah (laughs) <laughs> um, like for the end of Act Two boss, I uh, that was the first time I ended up trying to go with a like high mobility build because it's like okay, I need to be able to get out of this, out of the range of these attacks. I need to move out of the path of them, and like that high mobility, like that ended up becoming like the first time I did that fight um, when I beat it. Like that became one of my favorite fights in the game. Like, just, see, just at that point. And I think that's, like, what Santa's talking about. Like, if there's a boss where the obvious thing to do is, like, make an agility-based build, that forces, like, that pushes the player to experiment in a good way and explore the options that they have. So that sounds great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like there's, a, like, there's a boss at the end of the first mission of the second chapter, and... So they've got this one little weak point on the front, but they've got these giant, like, rotating blades up front that just, like, (laughs) will fuck you up. But they've also got a weak point, like, that you can get at from the top. So, like, you can try and fly around them and, like, shoot down there. And, like, that's what I did. I toughed it out with the build I had. It wasn't until after that I realized, oh, if I had gone with a quad leg build, I could have just hovered. Because the quad legs allow you to hover. I could just hovered above that weak point and just shot in there easier rather than just like flying around just running out of a a thruster gauge faster. Um, But actually on a little side note, going back to Elden Ring, people have been importing the models of this game into Elden Ring. And they are to scale. Really? (laughs) There's a chapter one, um, like a mobile, like... Uh, like this like big six-legged walker that you board and get on to destroy. Um, they poured it into Elden Ring and it like runs like half the length of the map. <laughs> wow. And Elden Ring's a huge map. <laughs> but yeah, no, everything in it is to scale. So. That's pretty funny. Um, 
yeah, no, that was uh, that, that that game is a blast. And uh, what's really cool is so kind of like Souls like they they tend to have multiple endings, and um, so does this. But uh, whereas in Souls games, you could say back up your save and save scum all the endings in one playthrough uh, to save having to go through again. This you can't. Um, because there's also new missions on the second and third playthroughs. Right. Um, so there, there's some mission, like in the first playthrough, you reach some places where there's a mission, where you choose between two missions. And the other one is gone because you're making making the choice and then as you and so then on the second playthrough you can choose that other option and then choose the other ending as well but then get getting both of those endings unlocks the third ending in the third playthrough but like and like on repeat like some of those like knowing what you're doing some of those replays like they go real quick um yeah no uh fantastic game uh i've Basically, all I have left is to S rank every mission. Hmm. Um, and, oh, and uh, like as you progress through, you do unlock these arena missions, which are simulations against other pilots. Some of which you will actually fight in game, but like the in game versions are actually harder than the arena ones. Um, and like going through these unlock you uh, points that allow you to put in permanent upgrades on your mech. Um, so like more weapon damage or, um, manual aim, if you're crazy. <laughs> um, like there's a bunch of different perks to choose from. And as you get through like the second playthrough, eventually you do get enough points to have everything unlocked. Um, up until that point though, like there is a refund system where you can spend some money to refund and reallocate the points. Uh, but moving on though. Uh, the next thing I played was uh, Resident Evil 4 Separate Ways, which is... Uh, My favorite Journey song. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is good. It is good. Um, which is a... It was a it's a DLC for RE4, and it's... Uh, it, it, it's based on the mode of the same name from the original, which was present in all versions, starting with the PS2 release of the game, with the exception of the VR one. Right. Um, and it's, you're, you're playing as Ada now, but from, like, you're, you're seeing Ada's side of things, what's going on with her as Leon's going through the, through his shit. Um, uh, it's pretty much the same gameplay, like, well, it is, but there's one big difference. Ada has a grapple gun, which is used for just some traversal through the environment, but, like, the big mechanical thing is... Uh, you can get an upgrade that allows her to grapple away the shields from enemies hmm. that uh, that are using shields, just make them vulnerable. Um, but uh, so, to my understanding, this game th this is significantly better than the original Separate Ways was. Like that was a it, it, it to my understanding, it's a very just like thrown together asset flip. Oh. And I mean, not to say that this is an asset flip too, because it reuses some areas and stuff. But it, like, it, it's actually really—it took me about just over six hours to get through, and that's pretty significant. And the it only cost twelve Canadian, which isn't bad that's, that's for good. a DLC. That's pretty yeah. good. 
for DLC. Um, which, I mean, that's, that's a, that seems like... That's cheap for DLC. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, it which, sounds like a fair price for DLC. Which, especially when you compare it to Resident Evil 3 Remake, which took me just under eight hours to beat, and at launch, that was a full price game. <laughs> um, and, like, I'd kind of argue there's more replayability here with this DLC than the RE3 Remake. Um, but I, I think one... one big thing about this is uh so not all content like there, there was some cut content from the original game that went into the, that was cut from the remake but some of it actually show ends up showing up in ada's campaign here mm-hmm. and uh yeah and they seem to they seem to be uh you actually see uh wesker some more uh they seem to be setting up some more stuff with him um maybe five remake <laughs> Although I, I think I'd like to, uh, I, I, I need to play Code Veronica because it's like the, of all the Resident Evils, it's, it's not a numbered one, but it's very, it's very significant to the plot because that's the return of Wesker. Was um, Wesker even in 5? Yes. I played and beat 5 and I don't even remember <laughs> Wesker being in it. But yeah, like the big thing that's keeping me from playing Code Veronica is all the versions available tank controls only oh oh <laughs> i would like to see a remake of that yeah um but yeah no that it's it's a solid dlc for 12 bucks canadian 10 us i i, I saw that price and i was like wow that's very reasonable mm-hmm. <laughs> um next up i played a little bit of lies of p which if our listeners re- will re- recall, uh, was my most anticipated game for 2023. What uh, did you do to that with that game? I refunded it. Yep. Oh, <laughs> um, oh, that's brutal. It crashed on me multiple times in the first 90 minutes. Oh, that's pretty bad. Um, so, unfortunately, I've had to refund it for now. I'll likely revisit it later. All right. Um, hopefully after things have been fixed but for for everyone who uh, has been able to run it fine it's been received pretty well like it seems to be of, of all the knockoff souls likes that aren't from soft this one seems to fe- be the most from soft as opposed to the knockoff <laughs> souls like that are from from soft <laughs> um but yeah no because and, and the crashing's weird because i played I played the demo a couple months back, and that was like about five hours, and I had no crashing issues in the demo. So just yeah, very know, very strange. Something in the full release, I don't know. Last minute optimization just screwed everything up, probably. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or maybe them adding Denuvo. <laughs> that Wait, could be it too. Add Denuvo. Yeah. Okay, that that, um, that very much could be it. So, well, specifically the crash I'm getting, it's I was getting it's a low level it, it it's an unreal engine low level fatal error well doesn't denuvo like <laughs> interface like in a low level with the operating system or something something i like, don't know it's intrusive is all yeah, i know yeah I, I don't think i've I, actually played a game with denuvo i know sega loves to add denuvo to all their games on steam hmm. um apparently that can like cause some issues because like when uh project diva came to street to steam 
because of Denuvo, it added stuttering issues oh. in a rhythm game. Nope. Oh my nope. god. <laughs> Absolutely not. Oh. Um, but yeah, because uh, because I end up having to refund Liza P, I end up looking for something else to move on to, and that's Final Fantasy VII. The original. The original. The original. Okay. Yes. Um, oh yeah, because you played remake like last. Yeah, last year it came out. Um, I I really want to have a longer discussion about this at some point. <laughs> uh, Once oh, we yeah. played more of it. Oh yeah, no, like I'm only like twelve hours in. Like one <laughs> only. Only. <laughs> I mean, I I I I sympathize. I put a I put some time into Final Fantasy VII, like like OG Final Fantasy VII, and I honestly don't even. I'm not even sure. If I got into like the real game yet, yeah. Like I, so I, I've specifically been playing the. Uh... I don't think I have time to go back and actually play the full game. <laughs> hey, you beat one JRPG. Yeah, um, I've specifically been playing the uh, the PC Steam release of it. Um... Yeah, the funniest announcement of all time. <laughs> there was a I forget what exactly it was, but there was a it was in some press conference and. Like it was a Square Enix presentation, and that like at the very end of it, they pop up something on the screen. It's like it's been like 15 years or however long it was since Final Fantasy VII originally released, and they start playing the song, and they cut to a four by three cropped version of the start screen for Final Fantasy VII, and all the announcement was was the like original Final Fantasy VII was coming to Steam. <laughs> this was before remake was announced. Yeah. So everybody thought that this was, oh. they were gonna they were like announcing remake or something. It's wow. like nope, this is just the most like flat announcement you could possibly make. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not like one of those like cool announcements where they're doing a remake and they they start with like the four by three yeah. low res and then it like it it like expands expands to widescreen to crazy yeah. new graphics. No, nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> Like like one weird thing about this this version though is like for the time it came out because it was like 2011, 12 or something like that, Mm -hmm. early 2010s. Like it doesn't have uh, uh, it doesn't have X input support. Oh God, really? Well, I mean, it's a Square Enix PC port. You can't expect much. So my Xbox controller wasn't working, but you know what did work? My USB PS1 controllers oh. from the PlayStation Classic. There you go, <laughs> playing it as intended. Wow. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, like I, I'm enjoying it so far. Like, um, and like going back because I, because I, I've played, a, I've played a bit of it before. Like, I'm now past where I had gone on my original time playing it. But like going back to it now after having played remake, like it really kind of makes me like the remakes battle system more well like not more than the not more than the original but like um it it makes me appreciate it more in the fact that like they don't really change it doesn't really change the core of it because you've still got the atb system you're still waiting for the bar to charge or in remakes case you can have multiple bars because some actions will require two bars but it basically just gives you control of the character while you're waiting for your meter to charge. And you can just do basic, like, melee attacks, block, parry if you have the parry material on. Um, but, like, 
I'm also really liking the original ATB system as well. It it feels a lot more engaging than other RPGs because you actually have to like pay attention to everything as you as the meters charge and like yeah. what's going on and like yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really enjoying it. Um, and there's been like some moments that like I, I <laughs> most of them with Barrett. Yeah. <laughs> um, like when you when you first leave um, uh, Midgar and you're like prompted to split the party, and if you you take both Tifa and Aerith with you, like as soon as you get out of the menu, the first thing Barrett says is, "I knew you'd do that." <laughs> <laughs> Did you, when you were infiltrating the Shinra building, did you take the stairs? Yes. Oh my god. Which, which is something I have to say. When you get to the remake, take the stairs. Oh, I was going to. <laughs> like, come on. The stairs, it's great in both versions. And, and remake, nice. like, remake, it, like, they do a really good job with the stairs. I really like it. All right, cool. Um, but yeah, no, we'll definitely touch more on that once I've uh, gotten through it some more. Um, or finished it. Um, and so there's one last game that I've been playing, which is currently a Japanese eShop exclusive. Okay. What? Okay. Um, I had to, I'm interested. <laughs> I had to go on um, Play Asia and buy a thousand yes. yen uh, <laughs> points, points card for the eShop for my Japanese account to mm. pick this up. It, it's only like, the game itself is only like 240 yen. And it's a very simple but addictive, like, puzzle game. And, like, a lot of people have been referring to it lately as Japan's hardest game. And basically the translation of the name is Watermelon Game. Oh. <laughs> huh. okay. um, so, here, I'll, I, I've, I've got an image to show you guys, just so you can get an idea. Like, listeners at home, you can look up the game and just get an idea, but, like, just going to show them oh. what what it is. Okay. So, basically the premise is you've got this box. And you've got these fruit you need to drop into the box. Um, two of the same fruit will combine together into the next tier of fruit. So, it goes like cherries to strawberries to grapes to, I believe it's grapefruit, to orange, to apple, to, I, th I think it's pear... To peach, to pineapple, to cantaloupe, to watermelon. Yeah, but like, I'm looking at that screenshot, and I'm assuming that it has like the circular physics going yes. on. Yes. Yeah. Ah, uh, circles, the most efficient form of packing. <laughs> I. Um, so basically. No. So no, that's hexagons. <laughs> so it's it's an endless style game. Okay. Uh, it's it's circular fruit 2048. Yes. <laughs> All right. Yes. Essentially. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and like you get a little preview of like what the next one you'll kind of like in Tetris you get a little preview of what the next one up will be to drop um, but yeah if, if like if you drop a piece and it's like too far above the top of the box that's game over yeah. or like sometimes the physics can kind of jostle stuff around and something will launch out and then oh, that's man. game over <laughs> um, but uh, yeah so basically you just want to Combine the fruit, get more points. It, it, it's very simple but addicting. And um, uh, basically everyone playing it's kind of agreed that like, even though it's endless, beating it is getting to 3,000 points. 
okay <laughs> um because it's, it's, it's like pretty tough to do and like um it's also like pretty tough to like just get two watermelons <laughs> mm. like i i haven't even gone a watermelon the most I, the highest i've gone to is the honeydew is the watermelon the biggest yeah fruit yeah yeah um but and then yeah like that's a big thing because like then like as you saw like the bigger fruit they take up more space in there like yeah, then, you could have two of the same big fruit but they're like opposite sides so it's like how do i get them together to combine mm -hmm. um but yeah at, at the moment my current best is 2387 um but it's like i don't know like i clicked on a stream of this game and i watched it for like five minutes and i was like yep this looks really addicting simple and fun I am now buying a Japanese eShop card. This feels like this feels like it would be a mobile game, honestly. Yeah, like it seems like exactly the kind of thing that would be perfect, like on a phone screen. You could just like tap mm, where you want yeah. the fruit to drop. Maybe yeah. it's part of line. I'll get it. <laughs> but yeah. All right. <laughs> Watermelon ripoff game. <laughs> uh, there is actually like a a knockoff browser version. Um, you don't get the preview of what what's coming next, though. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, it's just hard mode. <laughs> yep. But yeah, no, that's uh, that's been like fun to just. Uh, it, it, it's a fun puzzle. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it, it's uh, the thing it reminds me most of is like those stupid like full physics Tetris games, oh. which <laughs> like it's so difficult because the physics engine just like makes things move around in really dumb ways. Yeah. yeah. And, and with that, that specifically, you just end up with all these little slivers of pieces. Yeah. After you clear lines, oh. it's just impossible. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's, uh, that's it for me for the last couple months. <laughs> all right. Cool. And... We got through your seven faster than I got through my one. <laughs> yep. Uh, and we're out of time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got some things, but they're not that important. I'll save them for next time. Uh, and we're on a bit of a clock here. So let's just wrap this thing up. Uh, if you listen to this and want to get in touch, you can email us at threelevelsdeep at outlook.com. And check out our YouTube channel, which has also been sparse for uploads, but that will hopefully change soon. Yep. Got some project ideas that will take a very long time, but there are ideas in the works, people. Also, uh, Mediocre Monthlies. We've kind of missed two months here, um, but it's actually going to go, undergo a little bit of a change. Um, yeah, we're rebranding. Yeah. We're, we're so but good at that, I, at this channel. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, the ones we've uploaded so far are going to remain the same, but we're, we're going with, like, a little bit of a different... Well, I mean, I mean the, the videos will mostly be the same when it comes to the fighting games, but we're, we're kind of integrating them into another format. Yeah, we're going to expand, yeah. expand the uh, boundaries a little bit for what, we, what could be in that series. Exactly. I mean, there's only so many mediocre fighting games you can play. Well, no, the fighting games themselves are not mediocre. We're just mediocre yeah. at them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sometimes the games themselves are also mediocre. Uh, I don't think we played a mediocre game yet. I think we played some good games and some bad games. Are you gonna, okay, yeah. I was oh, gonna, speaking oh, of okay, Fight yeah. Crab 2. Oh my oh, god. There's a second one? Oh, jeez. Better have my champ. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Guest character, Machamp. 
All right, so thanks for listening, and I'll see you on the other side of Canadian Thanksgiving. Gobble, gobble.